what is the elephant in the coaching room? What we were talking about and we, right. we were, you know, part of it is I use this metaphor a lot, which is the metaphor of the, you know, the, the blind men, yeah. right? The six blind men, and they all are touching a different piece of the elephant and they're arguing about what an elephant, you know, looks like. Yeah. yeah. Okay? So that's one. <laughs> that's the big elephant in the room, which is the fact that, you know, there are many different ways that change can happen. And yet in the coaching field, in the hypnosis field, in the therapy field in general, everybody has their little therapeutic model, their dogma that they latch onto and they say, this is the right way. They'll say, if you're not getting to the core beliefs, then you're not doing the real work. Or some people will say, if you're not getting the cognitive dissonance, the thought problems, the, you know, all of that, then you're not really going to get the big changes. People will say, if you're not getting the, you know, the, the core emotions underneath, if you're, and some people would say, no, 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 it's all about the initial traumatizing event. If you don't get that healing will never happen. Yeah. Right. And, and all then, this, it, if you don't get the somatic, you know, this and that, and then. Oh, yeah. Have, no, the body yeah. keeps, you got to get it out to cellular memory, you know. Oh, no, you've got to do primal rebirthing, screaming, whatever the fuck, you know. And it's like, and everybody gets very territorial and then they fight and they don't realize that we're all, <laughs> we're all touching the same damn elephant. So, you know. I think that is the metaphorical elephant in the room too, which is, hey, we're actually all right, provided we are hitting certain things, right? So you know that um, I teach out of this conceptual framework and it is so kind of unconscious to me now, so embedded inside of me that recently I actually contacted, uh, you know, some people to check my work, you know, to like, you know, I firmly believe this and I need to check it with some other people that are privy to the same research that I've been kind of collecting and building this uh, framework around. And, you know, just to check it, right? Because I wanted to make sure the neuroscience was solid. I wanted to make sure, you know, theoretically it, 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 it passed muster. And so, it's so funny. It is the only time in my classes that I actually draw anything, <laughs> you know? So I realized this is a podcast and you can't see my gestures, <laughs> but the way that I see it is if you look at like the model of how the mind works and how the brain changes, then we start with kind of early sensory experience right? And that is how we kind of start scaffolding experience onto these very early primes. Now, whether that is, some people will consider that, you know, um, attachment style. Some people will go down to the early sensory experience. Like in my classes, I'm always talking about uh, John Barg's work with, uh, you know, um, hot and cold, and if you're holding a warm cup of coffee, you know, you've heard me say this so many times that you'll actually rate the individual or the lecturer as being a warmer person, you know, because warmth is embodied and it starts when you're born, right? Warm is everything good. It's being nursed, it's being held, it's being cuddled. 
Well, that early sensory experience, right, is the foundation that then we start to grow, right? The neural network starts to grow. The schema starts to grow. And what happens is we can now, as adults, say things like, uh, what a warm person this is, or I'm warming up to this idea, or you know, what a cold-hearted bitch, you know, like, because cold is the opposite. Cold is bad. So if you look at it that way, and then you start to look at our, how we get our problems mess, you know, how, how our problems mess us up. And you can say, all right, maybe an early uh, attachment style, meaning mom maybe wasn't very warm. Maybe you weren't picked up as much. Maybe you weren't, you know, soothed when you were crying. And this builds a certain idea, a certain um, belief inside a young child that says, why bother, you know, I'm not going to get the attention I want if I cry. So what, what's the point? And then as, as they grow, right, that belief manifests in a bunch of different ways. Now, all along, right, so whether then we have um, uh, an oversensitized child that gets, you know, yelled at by a teacher in kindergarten and all of a sudden now can't raise their hand or get up in front of the class and talk. And, you know, we can, some people would say you have to get to, right, that early, that first experience and then knock it down. That's one theoretical frame, certainly in hypnosis and in therapy. Others would say, no, you got to get to the core beliefs that were born out of never getting the attention you wanted. Some would say, no, you've got to go back into the somatic experience of that visceral sense of being, you know, left out or, uh, you know, not loved and the core emotional states. And what they don't realize is it's all the same neural network, right? So the actions, the behaviors, right? Now I can't stand up in front of a class or I can't walk into a boardroom and stand up for myself or I shrink every time there's an authority figure, you know, that is in the same neural network of the whole thing. So in other words, there's many roads in. You can get to the belief and that will start to ripple out and affect the whole neural network. That's why therapeutic memory reconsolidation works because what it does is it affects the whole network, the schema, right? Which consists of the beliefs, the core beliefs, the behaviors that come from those beliefs, right? Which is also hooked into the early experience, the somatic experience. So when you start to look at it that way, then you recognize that you can grab any one of those handles. And that's why everyone is arguing because they see that what they're doing is working and they're saying, this must be the way it works. Why do you think people get so territorial about it? Oh, please. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think that's so interesting because you're the, like, hold on. I was going to say you're the only teacher I know who is like the opposite of territorial. And then I was asking myself, is that actually true? I don't know. I think, I think you're the only one who's very like, intentionally and like outspoken about being a student and just like wanting to learn everything that works and why everything works as opposed to just being like this is my thing and my thing is the best and my thing is better than your thing because you know and so um why why does this happen I think it's such a disservice to the field and to to our clients and everyone. So I think there's no one answer, but I can give you some guesses, right? It's so funny. I was just, 
I was just sharing that um, so often in my classes, you know, when people ask me questions like something like that, my first answer is always, I don't know. My second answer is, but I can guess, but I can have maybe an educated guess here, right? And I can say, one, territorial meaning, I've built my business around this model, or I've written my book, or I've written my thesis, or, you know, I've done my lectures on this model. And if it's not correct, right, if you're going to challenge that model, you're going to challenge sometimes my very identity, but certainly my livelihood or my reputation, right? There used to be that old saying that, you know, paradigms shift one dead white man at a time. Sorry, that's oh, me. that's so bad. What's so <laughs> But You know what I mean? It's like the, you know, the, the ones who guard the old books, the old theories, the old ideas. Yeah. Sorry that that was mean. But but basically that's one idea is that they have their livelihood to defend, their reputation to defend. The other is primal. It's that people hate uncertainty. The brain hates uncertainty, right? And they want to latch on to something that they know. They want to feel like they know something, right? A lot of people, they feel that it, they can't really put themselves out there as a coach or a change worker or a therapist if they don't at least have a handle on what they think they're doing. And so they get a little handle and they they kind of build their thing around it. And, it's, and it, it feels safe right? I know this, right? And with, you know, in hypnosis too, it's like, I have this script, I have this model, and this is the way it's done, you know? And you start poking holes in that and people get very uncomfortable, right? You know, one of my favorite quotes from Milton Erickson, my favorite uh, hypnotist, therapists can't afford the luxury of a theory. And I love that one because I feel like it speaks to everything that you and I are about, which and we is- can just as easily say change workers, coaches yeah. can't afford the luxury of a theory, which means- because, yeah. yeah, because not only does it filter the entire session through that lens, which means you're missing everything outside. Meaning like when you come with a theory, right? You're like in the session to try to prove the theory true. Or to make right. it go according to that theory. So that's what what you mean when you when you say when you like come in with uh, an agenda. Yes, right. So it's come in with an agenda, but a lot of that agenda is outside of their conscious awareness. So they would say, no, no, no. I I let the client talk. I I I'm open, but unconsciously they're filtering through that lens of the agenda, which means they are shaping reality. Our beliefs, our expectations shape what we see the way we question the way we raise an eyebrow you know what i mean it's like we are leading the client we are marking out whether we are aware of it or not what is important to us soon as we hear a belief the therapist perks up if that's their model right as soon as you hear the thought you know, the bad thought that's creating the experience or the belief or whatever, they perk up. That's felt. There's millions of bits of information. We are communicating with each other all the time outside of our conscious awareness. So our beliefs shape that on many levels and convey it, right? So I think there's a lot that happens when, you know, when therapists uh, come in with a specific model that they are defending against. But but basically, when you say why is that, 
Um, I think it's about security. I think it's about feeling like you know, therefore you have confidence, therefore you're confident as a coach, which, you know, it is one of these fields, just like um, hypnosis, where we are kind of our own bosses for the most part. You know, yes, companies will hire coaches, but for the most part, coaches are entrepreneurs, which means they have to make their living. They're not being paid by some company to do it. Yes, of course, there, there is that. That exists, but for the most that part. That exists, yeah. but for the most part. And so having that certainty, even though it, it it shuts out a lot of the what I would consider to be the fun stuff, which is the curiosity and the learning and the, you know, and the, and the sitting with an individual and seeing just what comes up, you know. Um, anyway, I think that, that understanding the framework of it's, it's all part of the same network. And so we, we are all right, <laughs> you know? Hold on, I just want to clarify that. When you say it's all part of the same network, that means that all of the thoughts, emotions, like nervous system reactions, behaviors that comprise, let's say a, a pattern, like something that you yeah. don't want, something that causes you pain, like when you get at any one part of it, like if you get at get at it at the level of thoughts, if you get at it at the level of childhood trauma, if you get at it at the level of emotions, whatever, when you touch any part of it, it affects the whole network that is creating that problem over and over again. Yes. And obviously there's disclaimers here. Yeah. Because a lot of people will keep touching a part of it, but not in a very useful way. Right. Right. So right. if I keep telling my trauma story and yet there is no resolution, there is no um, intervention, then I'm just repeating stuff over and over again. That's not and helping. it's not helping if you know. So in other words, there's ways of doing it. Obviously, that's what you and I teach, yeah. which is how do we make sure the steps of brain change are written into whatever approach you want to take. Yeah. And there's many ways to do that, right? We can do it from the somatic, the kinesthetic. We can do it from the beliefs. We can do it from the behaviors. You know, uh, quite often, because I've been training therapists and psychiatrists for a really long time, I've come up against a lot of models, a lot of theoretical frames. Um, and, you know, it's very interesting when you are watching people have to confront the limitations of their model. And then really, I mean, most of my job was to, to gently open that up and show them different ways, right? And challenge it enough to keep their level of confidence up and their openness and curiosity going on without them shutting down into a defensive mode of this is what I've spent you know, $200,000 on. And this is one, you know, this is my education. This is what I've been doing. And now you're telling me it's not the way to work, you know? So it's a really, it's a gentle, uh, you have to be gentle with it. So in our training, the integrative change worker training, how do you, uh, I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about how you foster an environment where there is no dogma, there is no one right and true methodology where you are encouraging of everyone's 
thing, right? A lot of people who come, come in as brand new, you know, change workers who are being trained in something like this for the first time, but others come in with their own modality. Others come in with their own experience and expertise and their own methodology of framework that they love, right? So how do you create an environment where, where all of that is not just acknowledged, but celebrated and we are helping everyone to do what they love, do what they do in in the best way that they can and do it even better than they thought was possible before, as opposed to creating a, a dogmatic atmosphere where you say, well, this is how it works and this is how you have to do it. Right. I know you've been doing this thing successfully for 20 years, but it's not right. Yeah, I would never do that because it's wrong, right? And here's, here's the way that I, I always see it right? It's called integrative, right? That's why it was uh, integrative hypnosis was my first book. Why? Because I wanted a big enough umbrella that I could keep learning and I can keep adding to it and uh, integrating more and more different skills. I'm a bit of a training junkie, so I always like to learn. But integrative in a sense that everything that you're doing is welcome here, and let me show you how to shape it slightly differently. So that's where we kind of build the, the four-step structure of change. And this way I can say, all right, well, we got we to gotta light up the relevant neural network. And here is how, here's one way to do it, right? Get that specific moment, make sure to associate them in. But people will do that when they're doing EFT or EMDR or, you know, somatic work. If I shape it and tweak it just a little bit so that they understand what is going on under the hood, they're more strategic. So then we we join together everybody, no matter what modality you're bringing to the table. And first we need to, you know, activate the neural network of the problem so it becomes malleable, right? And then how we get from that, that step to a resource state can be a hundred million ways. It's basically like, so you, you'd want to use tapping here. You would want to go right into the body and do some somatic work. You would want to say in this moment where you're activated, what are you saying to yourself, right? What's the internal dialogue? What's the belief holding this shit together, right? So everybody's, you know, favorite technique can fit in to this framework, but it's a framework that is almost guaranteed to change the brain to and if you do it right it's guaranteed but that's it, what i'm saying that's, how the brain works yeah right. that's why i said almost guaranteed <laughs> if you do it right and so this way whether you're emdr whether you're any one of these other uh you know types of coaches or therapists or change workers you could still Bring your darlings. You can still bring your favorite techniques, your favorite things. I'm just going to show you where to fit it in so that it is more strategic. I love one of my, the things I love about it is that very experienced um, practitioners can, can come who've been doing their thing successfully for many, many, many years. And then by the end of the training, they'll know exactly like neurologically why the thing that they do that they love that that works works and they're going to know how to do it how to be, be even more effective with what they do and how to be even more creative with what they do and brand new practitioners can come 
and learn a whole coherent set of skills from scratch. And in three months, as in less than three months, from the first um, from the first month, from the first week, you're going to have a set of skills that was funny enough to was, make you dangerous. I was just talking to um, a bunch of our students. You know, I was in I was in Vegas, and a bunch uh, came to uh, Hypno Thoughts, and so many of them, with just what they learned on the very first day, and I would say the first half of the first day that they've been teaching workshops. They've been just taking that little skill set. And what's funny is so many of my former students are out there. They've made an amazing living for themselves. And they're basically just using the first half of the first day, right? I was just talking about someone uh, earlier with Stephanie, who we both know, who has made their entire written book, made their entire thing on basically like the anti-anxiety toolkit, basically the first level of work that we teach on the first day. And so it it really is, when you think about it, um, pretty fucking kick-ass because- <laughs> Yeah, it, there's there's the level of, okay, here are the tools. And then it goes so much, there's so many rich layers to it. And you can just take one little piece of it and build your whole career on that one little piece. Or you can pick and choose several pieces or a couple of pieces. There's, it's so, it, I think of it as like, like Lego blocks of change work, right? <laughs> like you can b- build this elaborate thing or you don't, and it's, it's really cool to see what people do with it. Hey, look what I did with your work, right? <laughs> Cause you, I, and, you trained me first. Everybody, you know, everybody makes it their own. And, you know, the last thing we want, it's so funny because listening into your workshop yesterday when you were talking about um, culture and developing your own culture. And that's exactly what we're trying to do, right? Because we don't want, change work. There, there can't be another Simone out there. We're not trying to make a bunch of Simones or a bunch of Melissa's. What we're trying to do is we're trying to give everyone um the 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 skills right the change work skills so that they can then as you said either integrate what they've already been doing or develop i mean your entire life has brought you this culture this experience right all all the things that you're fascinated with all the things that you've been playing with all the lessons you've learned and that comes in and so what we want is to foster everyone's unique voice in this big sea of you know change work field so amen okay so when does the fall class start again september 9th that's right so um sign up (laughs) we're gonna have a lot of fun and uh for more information you can go check out integrativechangework.com is that right i always get that wrong that's That's correct okay (laughs) and Come hang out with me and Melissa on Instagram. Um, so I'll attach the our handles in the, in the show notes. Okay. Uh-huh. We will talk again on another theme.